right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to have plenty of KU football talk throughout the week and, and a little bit today as well. But today going to mostly be a KU basketball show. The Champions Classic, uh, in a lot of other years, does tip off the season. For this year, it feels like it really starts the basketball season for us. I mean, I know you'll talk about that, you know, at, at the end of the day, will this heavily impact what happens in March? No, it won't. But Every game matters. <laughs> that's a quick 180. Uh, but this one, this this is definitely the game that makes it feel more like, okay, it is like the start of KU basketball season, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and will the real Coach K please stand up? Andy Kotelnicki is the new Coach K. True. I mean, he always was actually a Coach true. K, yeah. but now no more Coach Krzyzewski. So that's going to be weird that you're going to have Norm Roberts versus John Shire on the <laughs> sideline. Uh, also, we have Dick versus Duke. With Grady Dick versus Duke. So we're going to break that all down throughout the show today. But first, NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. You can also bet on Kansas-Duke tonight, which uh, it started at Duke minus one. It worked eventually to Kansas plus one, or or, I'm sorry, to Kansas minus one. And then now it's worked back the other way. Duke is now a two-point favorite, so you can get Kansas plus two. You can get them plus 110 money line. I am uh, in love with some of these prop bets, so much so that I'm very afraid about what's going to happen last night. I am in deep. What's going to happen last night? Or tonight. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so in deep, I don't even know what day it is anymore. He's he's so stressed. (laughs) There's so much stress. So Grady Dick over-unders, it's now 13.5 points on DraftKings. I hit it at 14.5. Jalen Wilson's was 16 and a half. That's where I got it at. It's now 15 and a half. So I'm getting bad lines when I took it. Kevin McCullers went up, though. It's now at 10 and a half. I took it at nine and a half. Uh, also, if you want in on any of the rebound numbers, Grady Dick is three and a half. DeWan Harris, one and a half. Jalen Wilson, seven and a half, which I like that one. Three and a half for Grady Dick seems kind of low, too. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'8. I know. He's six, and they're going to need him to get rebounds. Uh, yeah. Kevin McCuller, three and a half. And then assist-wise, Dwan Harris, 4.5. I like that one on the over. Plus, it's 110. Jalen Wilson, 2.5. Kevin McCuller, 1.5, which I kind of like that one as well. How about three balls? Dwan Harris, 0. 0.5. No. Grady Dick, 1.5. Yes. Just got to make two threes. I like that one. Jalen Wilson, 1.5. Mm, I don't feel great about that one. No. Uh, Kevin McCuller, 0. 0.5, and it's plus 105. No. I'm doing it. I'm going Kevin McCuller on the over there. Okay. So, uh, you can bet on those prop bets. My favorite ones... Probably the Grady Dick one and a half threes, the Dewan Harris four and a half assists, yep. and the Jalen Wilson seven and a half rebounds. Those would be my favorite. My worry for the Jalen Wilson scoring, even though I'm in on it, is that Duke has a bunch of big men down low, and that's going to cut him off from driving to the rim. But maybe that yeah. means he can stretch it and it can hit from the outside. Uh, but how about this? Again, we have the Dick versus Duke, and I, I love the fact that 
you know, if, if you were to go back 15 years ago and said that Kansas is playing Duke, one of the teams has two big men that they're going to pound the ball to inside and it's going to cause problems for you on the inside. The other team has a lethal white guy shooter <laughs> who is going to be like one of the more hated players around college basketball. You would be like, okay, so Kansas is the team with the two bigs and Duke <laughs> okay. is the team with the shooter. That I have is a all question now. about why we think Grady Dick is going to be one of the hated guys around basketball. Like what like what about it? Like he seems I like mean, a nice enough guy. Oh yeah. You know, no. like 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 other examples of players like that, like Grayson Allen, like those guys were easy to hate. Yes. Right? Grady Dick's he seems like a nice guy. So I don't understand. Is it just he is a, nice a lethal guy, shooter? Goofy guy. It's because he is a white guy who is going to make a lot of threes and dunk on you. And while he is a nice guy, he does have a little bit of the that basketball edge to him, right? That like okay, Christian yeah. Brown kind of had. Yeah, but no, but I don't feel like a lot of people hated Christian Brown around the country. I guess I don't really know. Maybe not, but I feel like there was less like national hype around. Yeah. There's Grady Dix coming in with all the freshman yeah. hype coming in too. That's true. I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before that happens. Okay. I don't know. But definitely, if he was on Duke, people would hate him immediately. For sure. Like, I think him being well, at Kansas, Duke, you know, it helps a little bit. Yeah, that, yeah, that's just the Duke You're right. Effect. You're right. That is kind of the Duke effect. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to draw because both these teams are 2-0, but it's hard to draw too much from the first couple games from either team in terms of, like, just how good are you. Certainly, you can draw certain things about playing style or, you know, this or that, but it's, it's hard to truly say, oh, well, you know, Duke blew out these first two teams. Kansas blew out these first two teams. They are amazing. It could just be they just beat up on on worse teams. You don't know. Okay, uh, real quick, I yeah. forgot to give you my huge news. Oh, huge okay. Huge news. Massive news. This better be really good. Massive news. All right, so you know about the Cheez-It Bowl, obviously. Yes. Well, did you know that Cheez-It is now sponsoring a second bowl game? <laughs> there is now the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl along with just the Cheez-It Bowl. Cheez-It now has two bowl sponsors. So, that begs the question. With the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, we have the Cheez-It Challenge, obviously, we've already come up with. What would you do for the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl? Because you have, like, citrus, citrus, that's like orange, right? Yes. Okay, so, like, you have to eat only Cheez-Its and oranges. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That sounds like such a horrible combo. Yeah, that really does. Um, That would be horrible on your stomach. Um, But, yeah, I'm all for it. More Cheez-It Bowls. flavored. Better. I don't think. I don't know. Orange flavored Cheez Its? That sounds horrible. Cheez It flavored oranges? No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> we do not want Cheez It flavored oranges. But hey, more Cheez It Bowls means better chance K you could play in a Cheez It Bowl, which. That's actually a very good point. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. Um, all right, had to get that away. So, well, thank you for sharing back that to KU basketball. Duke is a young team in a lot of ways, like Kansas. They have yep. all sorts of size, though. So, Jeremy Roach is the starting point guard. He's certainly a player to watch. He's looked pretty good through the first couple games. And I'm interested in that matchup with Dewan Harris on him, trying to kind of uh, take him down. Because the one thing, Duke doesn't have a lot of perimeter scoring necessarily. Derek Whitehead, who would be one of their good perimeter scorers, he's like a six foot six freshman, can shoot it a little bit. He's having to deal with a uh, fractured foot that he had in team workouts back on August 29th. And it sounds like he's nearing a return. He might play tonight. Um, I guess that according to the uh, Fayetteville Observer, um, John Shire said that he played in five on five yesterday for the first time. He's progressing really well, but he also added that he remains questionable at best and that he still needs time to get back in shape. So I'm not really imagining he's going to play. And if he does, it's probably going to be like a small amount of minutes. So they don't have a ton of like perimeter scoring. Mark Mitchell, another one of the freshmen who's actually a, a Kansas City kid, 
He's more of like a really good perimeter defender at six foot eight. Yeah, he played with Grady Dick. Yeah, at Sunrise Christian. That's right. And yeah. then uh, Kyle Filipkowski and Derek Lively, uh, both really good big men. Lively is more of like the interior, just like dominant presence. Filipkowski can shoot it from the outside, but he's more of a stretch four. Like you're not going to have him, you know, running around screens and, and just firing and shooting. Tyrese Proctor is more of like a defensive, like kind of all-purpose guard for them. So they don't have a ton of necessarily just like perimeter scoring. And if Dewan Harris can cut down Jeremy Roach, that's certainly helpful. But the big question is obviously going to be, how does Kansas handle the interior presence of Duke on both ends of the floor? Yeah, I think if this game is played 30 seconds at a time in the half court, it heavily favors Duke, like heavily favors Duke. Uh, because they have the interior presence that you just talked about in Kansas obviously, as we've highlighted throughout the preseason and leading up to this game, they have question marks there, right? Like, I don't even know. Can you roll out K.J. Adams at the five in this game? Like, I don't even know if you can do that. He's going to be giving up five inches to the guys he's going to be guarding. Like, I don't know if you can even do that, right? Like, you're going to be almost forced just by the pure size the Duke has to roll out one of Uday or Edgefer probably most of the game, right? I mean, I don't know if you can afford to play K.J. Adams and Jalen Wilson as your four and five guys, right? Like, and that would take away maybe arguably what's been KU's best, most effective lineup so yeah. far this season. Yeah, because right? I think the trouble there is with exactly what you're saying. It'd be one thing if K.J. Adams could really shoot it to where, hey, maybe you're giving something up on the defensive end without size, but on the offensive end, you're going to be able to stretch their center away from the basket and shoot it, but because mm. K.J. doesn't yeah, have just, that ability. He's just, he's just kind of that dog player, but yeah. he, he doesn't really add much. Especially I, on the offensive end. I wouldn't be surprised if Ernest Duday starts in this game. I guess is the I mean, way I that like, I would go I feel like he almost has to. And if he doesn't, then it's probably K.J. Adams in there for a few minutes, and if he gives up a couple baskets, it's a quick hook to the bench, right? Yeah. Um, so big game for Ernest Duday to, to really show what you are because, again, we think Ernest Duday is showing flashes and looks good early. Yeah. It's one thing to do it against North Dakota State and Omaha. <laughs> it's another thing to do it against this Duke team. Yeah. And Duke is really good at rebounding the basketball. They are... Um, top 30 in the country in defensive rebounding rate. They are the number one team in the country right now in offensive rebounding rate. Again, they've they've played similar teams to Kansas where it's not like they're <laughs> playing a crazy schedule. Yeah. But the point is they can play a bully ball on the inside. They're giving up just 41 points per game. This could be a really good Duke defensive team, which is weird because you don't immediately think of Duke as being an elite. You think of like really good offense and, and maybe going to have some struggles defensively, but Derek Lively is an eraser inside. So they have they have all sorts of size. Mark Mitchell on the perimeter. Like this could be a really good defensive team. And I think the biggest way that Kansas wins this game is speeding up the tempo. Yes. We've seen Kansas look really good in transition. Again, how much of that is the opponents they've played where they're clearly bigger and faster than Omaha and North Dakota State? How much is it just them being a good transition team? I like to think they're going to be a really good transition team because I thought that before the year, and so far it's checked out. But, you know, with Duke, they actually have played at a pretty slow tempo through the first two games of the season. And regardless of the opponent you play, typically the tempo is not something where, you know, that's going to completely change for you based on playing worse opponents. So far, Duke this season is um, 249th in the country in tempo. So they're not like the slowest team in the country. They're they're far from being like a Virginia, but they're not playing like super fast. They'll get out no. and run when they can with some of the athletes, but like they're going to try to slow it down, play good defense. And Kansas, if you want to try to avoid, 
you know, Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick or whoever driving into the lane and having two seven-footers to block you at the rim, just get out and transition and avoid that altogether. Yeah, and like you were mentioning with their schedule, they've played Jacksonville and USC Upstate, which arguably might be worse than Omaha and North Dakota State. It's actually pretty similar really? if you go by Ken Palm. So, because I'm trying to remember. Omaha was ranked in the 300s. Omaha was bad. Yeah, so Omaha right now. State was like, what, 205? They were, yeah, they were right at 200. At the moment, Omaha has moved up to 324. Okay, Omaha. So if you compare that to USC Upstate, USC Upstate was 313 right now. Okay. North Dakota State was 220 right now. Okay. Jacksonville's 179. So it's pretty similar. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I guess. But the other the other aspect of this, like we were highlighting with the bigs and with someone like Ernest Uday or Zuby Edgefer, that's even more important in this game is Zach Clements is out. Yes. And the while while on its face you think, okay, well he was what, your third, fourth yeah. big man in the rotation, like whatever, right? But like in a game like this, that could definitely matter. Yeah, especially trouble. when you consider what you were discussing with KJ Adams, like Zach Clements is a guy that can stretch the floor, right? So he's like maybe the type of guy you might want to use in a game like this where you could Put him out on the perimeter and and force Duke out. That's of a the great game. point. So that that well again on its face that doesn't seem like it should affect KU too much, but in a game like this, it it very well could. Yeah. And then also MJ Rice did not make the trip, which I want to I want to ask you this, and I, I'm not I'm not suggesting anything, but I just mm-hmm. want to ask you: Do you buy that he is ill? Yeah, the illness thing. That's that's what so we've been told. I'll is just that say he this: has an illness. Um, I will just buy it for what it's worth. And I guess we'll figure out more from here because I don't I don't want to jump the gun and be like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's not. And then all of a sudden we find out he has like COVID or something. I'd feel bad. But I will just say this. If you are questioning, does he have an illness? I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that there have been other things that are maybe going on behind the scenes that would make you think maybe there's other stuff there. But you so, think it's probably too early to Yeah. To so say I'm I'm not gonna like jump that. the gun on yeah. it. Yeah. It is I what it is. Fair. He might be ill. He might not be. I don't know. But he's um, a, he's another point guy is that, he's out. Yeah, I mean he's another guy that this is the type of game where you might want to use him, right? Because what was his biggest strength from the limited time we saw him in the last game? It was in transition and being a guy that can just be really explosive, right? Mm-hmm. So that's those are two guys that that again, I think maybe on its face you think, okay, those aren't that big of losses, right? You're you're losing what your your seventh and eighth ninth guys in the rotation, but in a game like this against Duke, like those are two areas yep. that could matter. Well, if you get into the half court, you're going to need guys to make tough contested shots. Like MJ Rice is one of those guys. He's also a guy that could could hurt Duke in transition. Something that yep. Kansas needs to do. And, and again, then, yeah. still no still no Cam Martin, right? So if, right. if Uday or Edgefer or both get into foul trouble, you're going to be really thin down there, really yeah. thin. I wonder if it, if that happens if we see Jalen Wilson at the five. At all, yeah, I, mean, um, I don't know. Because like I said, because like I said, I mean, I, I don't know if you can risk running KJ Adams at yeah. the five. Well, and if you put Jalen at the five, though, then you run out of yeah. Without MJ Rice, you're running out of wing depth. And now Grady Dick is at the four, and Kevin McCullers at the three, and now you're playing two little guards next to each other. So it's like it, it's a very interesting dichotomy. You're down yeah. to nine I mean, I scholarship guess, players now. Yeah, I guess you could play like Pettiford and Harris, and mm-hmm. then McCuller, Dick, and and. Uh, Wilson. Do you think we see Michael Jankovic tonight? I just mentioned we're down to nine scholarship <laughs> players here. If Bill Self was coaching, I think absolutely yes, we would. I think there's I a know. good chance. Because, I, I mean, if you're playing a Duke lineup that has two bigs down low that are clogging the paint, 
how are you going to score in the half court? You're going to have to stretch him out. You're going to have to yeah. shoot the ball. Yeah, well, I think this, there was a real chance that he I plays. I think the real onus falls on I'm not Grady saying Dick. like 20 minutes, but. I think the real onus falls on Grady Dick. Like if mm-hmm. Grady Dick. And probably Jalen hit some shots. Can't hit a three or is really struggling from the outside. That's going to be a, a bad sign, I think, for Kansas. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so so those are certainly notable injuries to, to keep out of this game. Um, I think the one area, though, that you would think Kansas has a significant advantage is just an experience in playing big yeah. games, right? I mean, I understand that these teams play the Champions Classic every year, but Duke has a lot of freshmen, right? That this is their, this is going to be their first really big game. Yeah, this Whereas, is a game. If you're Jalen Wilson, like you're going to have to grind yeah. out some points and, and kind of carry you to the finish line, maybe exactly. Like you're looking at Jalen Wilson, you're looking at Dewan Harris, two guys that contributed pretty heavily in the national championship. You're looking at Kevin McCuller, who wasn't in the national championship but was part of the Tech team that made the Final Four, like. Those guys with that combined experience, A, should be able to help elevate them, but B, you would hope that those types of players with their experience can help elevate or shake off any jitters that guys like Grady Dick or Ernest Uday might have, right? Mm-hmm. Because this, that's their, this is their first big game too, but you're hoping that that experience can kind of transition to all the the rest of your team, right? But but I wonder, I don't, I mean, do you think that with the discussion of like experience, does it matter that Bill Self is not the coach? I mean, I understand that the rest of the staff has still been a part of big games and whatnot, and Norm Roberts has as well. But like, does that matter? Like, we like we. I guess, <clears throat> I guess my point is like, with the Bill Self suspension, like we didn't really touch on it at all for the first two games because there wasn't any right, like whatever, right? But like in a game like this, doesn't matter. It could. It could be the difference in you know if it's going to be a close game. It could be the difference in one out of timeout play. Or, you know, one set that you could have run that would have been the difference in you scoring an extra bucket. It very well could. Um, so I would just, just There just wasn't much to talk about in terms of suspension, in terms of the other games. Right? No, like, no, like, there wasn't. You know, like, whatever, this is the one. Right? This is the one. Exactly. Yeah. But so, I just don't, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't really have a good read on how much yeah. it might affect the game. Yeah. So, I mean, how does Kansas defend inside on Duke? How does Kansas score inside on Duke? Can they make it a fast-paced game? You'll say this, like, sure, maybe Kyle Filipkowski is more... Um, adept at scoring inside and as a polished post game, but if you can make it an up and down game, their big men aren't tracking as well as Ernest today. So it, no. it's kind of going to go down to the style of the game. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Matt Tate tentatively scheduled to join us in about 20 minutes. He has a a kid due at any time, so we'll see if Matt literally is able to join any us, or who knows something could come up news wise. But uh, that'll come up in a bit. We have some Lance Leipold audio though coming up on the other side. This is RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined, at least for the time being, we'll see if we can make it through this interview, by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. So, Matt, uh, we need a safe word. If at any time you need to go because your wife is is going into labor and you need to rush to the hospital, what would you like your safe word to be? I think you're just going to have to get the, the dump buddy button ready, right? <laughs> I think the safe word is is uh, is uh, inappropriate or yeah, not not safe for the air. So uh, I think you'll know, and I guess I guess this puts the uh, puts the onus on Nick there to to make sure that he's um, you know on his game, which is good because it's game day, and and you know he needs to be sharp, and yep. and uh, I'm sure he knows that by now. You're oh. a, you're a, you act like I'm not sharp dude, every day. Derek. Yeah, well, you know, I mean. Being sharp is one thing, but being like, you know, Derek Johnson sharp, that's, mm. 
that's, that's another true. level. I know he demands a lot out of you, and and uh, you know I'm just glad to see you're still there. He usually runs people <laughs> off by now, so good, good to see. But yeah, you'll you'll know if uh, if I gotta go. That's for sure. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, uh, we'll see if we can get through this thing. Um, so KU takes on Duke tonight, Champions Classic. You can hear it here on KLWN pregame seven tip off around eight thirty. Probably end up being later than that. We'll see. Uh, who is the most important Jayhawk in your eyes for the game tonight against Duke? Um, man, there's so many deep possible answers. Um, you know, you, you could definitely make a case for four or five guys, but I, I think I'm going to lean toward Dewan Harris. Um, uh, we, we talked to him on Sunday a little bit, and, uh, you know, it was very clear. Obviously, you look at Duke's team and their, and their roster and, and the lineups they play, and, and you see a, a big team, and uh, so it doesn't necessarily make sense that, that you would say that, that Kansas's littlest player is is the most important against a team that that has those kinds of bodies inside. But I think that Dewan made it very clear that you know, in order for Duke to go and to do what they need to do and get those big guys going, they've got to have their point guard Jeremy Roach, you know, playing at a high level and and, and comfortable and, and running the show. And and uh, there's no better player in the country than than Dewan Harris to try to make him uncomfortable and disrupt him and, and take them and him out of what he wants to do. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's kind of a loaded question because I, you could talk offensively, you could talk defensively, you could talk about a bunch of different different scenarios. But I think if you're just saying, hey, DeWan Harris played one of his best games as a Kansas Jayhawk, I, I think if that's how we finish this night, then I think that means Kansas probably won the game. Um, and they can win without that. I mean, that you know, it's it's not just on Dewan, but but I think he has to be good, and I think he will be good, and I think he knows that. I mean, he has been a, a, a catalyst for a lot of their their intensity on the defensive end, not just in the first couple of games this season, but over the last couple of seasons. And and so there's no way that that he doesn't understand that. There's no reason that he won't be ready for that. Um, it's pretty interesting covering this this run. Um, of the Champions Classic because normally, you know, this is this is a big, massive game, and, and and we spend a lot of time leading up to it talking about, you know, are they ready for this stage and all that kind of stuff because it is a huge stage, especially about as big as it can get in November. Um, but it, it, those questions seem a little hollow when you're talking to guys like Dewan and and Jalen Wilson and and uh, you know some of those guys who were a part of last year's run because quite literally some of the most recent games they've played in were Final Four games and national championship games and so um, this pales in comparison to that but it'll be a big night it'll be electric and uh, you know for all the younger guys who are getting their first taste of it 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 certainly does qualify as as a, a bigger stage than maybe they've played in in their lives you mentioned the the size of duke and and we've seen kj adams playing that five role do you think kj adams can be effective at the five tonight against this duke team or how do you think that will match up with with the size of duke i i think he can um you because of his strength and athleticism um you know you're definitely with his with his height or lack thereof uh relatively speaking of course you know you're you're definitely looking at the potential for Kansas to find itself when KJ's at the five in a position very similar to what North Carolina found itself in when Brady Manick was trying to guard, you know, Dave McCormick in the championship game. It was uh, Manick did everything he could. Manick's a, a tough guy. 
he, he fought, he competed, but at the end of the day, Dave was just taller and stronger and jumped right over the top and, and made two of the biggest shots in, in school history, you know. So, um, uh, you know, that, that's possible. There's, there's no doubt that that's possible. But I do think that you hear coaches and even players talk a lot of the time about doing some of your defensive work early. And I think KJ's a guy who understands what that means and understands how and why that's effective. Um, it, it, it's not about just let a guy catch in the post and then defend him. It's, it's you know, push him, push him out of his spot. Get him, get him uncomfortable for, before he gets the ball. Don't let him catch. You know, all those things that, that are really fundamental parts of basketball KJ's a fundamental type of player, and so I think you'll see him be very active down there. And, and to be to be completely honest, I think you'll see a ton of Ernest and, and Zuby tonight too. I, I don't think that there's any way that KU is just going to try to rely on KJ to play the lion's share of the minutes at the five. I think if Ernest is turned up and isn't fouling and you know is doing all those little things that they've been asking him to do better over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's no reason that he doesn't play 25 minutes tonight or more. So I, I think that Kansas has the bodies to match up with some of those Duke big guys. It's just a matter of um, are they on their game tonight, and, and can they do it in a way that's, that's efficient and effective and, and, and helps the team rather than, you know, is, is kind of uh, sporadic and a little bit chaotic and, and, you know, things you expect from freshmen. So it'll be really interesting to see how, how they handle that. And there's definitely a chance that, that KJ will be out there with Ernest for a few minutes here and there, or maybe for a, an extended period of time. I mean, it just so much of that will depend on game flow and, and how the script plays out and all that stuff. But um, there's no reason to think that Kansas can't match up with this team. And as we saw last week when they were talking about North Dakota State and their size, um, you know, they're, they're banking on speed beating size, and, and that has kind of proven true over the years with, with many different teams and many different matchups. I mean, sometimes you can be the biggest team in the world, and um, these, these smaller, quicker teams can make you uncomfortable, and then your size is negated. So I think that's got to be the approach for Kansas tonight, and it's now just a matter of how effective can they be. Kansas is going to be without four of their scholarship players, two of which, in the case of Cam Martin and Kyle Cuff, are out for a little bit of a longer term and, and we'll wait and see what's going on with MJ Rice and Zach Clements here shortly. Which of those four players do you think they're going to miss the most tonight? And do you think we see Michael Jankovic in like a real part of the rotation? Wow, that's a great second part of that question for sure. Um, I hadn't thought about Jank too much. Well, now um, they're down to the boy, you know, got- players. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't thought about Cam either because we've kind of moved on from, from him even being available anytime soon. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, you know, look, if you, if you'd have said three, four months ago, six months ago, whatever that, Hey, KU will play Duke in the champions classic next season and they'll do it without four scholarship players and they'll do it without Bill Self. You probably would have thought, (laughs) Ooh, that, that sounds pretty hairy. That's, that's not good at all. Um, yet, that's the case tonight, and I think that, you know, by and large, the, 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 the people that are paying attention to this game are probably looking at it as a coin flip. Either side can win. Both teams have a case. Um, both teams have talent. Who, who can win? So, anyway, getting back to your original question, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't even think it's a question that it's MJ Rice um, who will be missed the most. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what Cam and, and Kyle Cuff can do really yet. Um, we haven't seen them play 
in any kind of meaningful minutes, um, you know, in, in, in last season and this season now. So, um, you know, you don't ever want to see guys get injured, of course, but I don't, I don't think KU's struggling to figure out what to do without those two. Um, and Clements is, you know, a guy who's struggling himself. I mean, I think that all you have to do is look at his minutes played in the first two games and, and understand some of the things that, that maybe were, were discussed in the preseason about where he's at and, and what he needs to get better at and what he needs to do to, to take that next step and, and right or wrong, good or bad, whatever, he's not there yet. And so um, I think they've, they've moved forward kind of understanding that they can't rely on any real big contributions from him just yet. So I don't think they were probably counting on that tonight, even if he was able to play. You never want to take a guy like that off the floor. I mean, he's a matchup guy. He's a perimeter guy that, that can, that can you know, not only stretch it and shoot the three-point shot as a big, but he can also, you know, move a little bit out there and, and is a little more fluid, um, maybe guarding the perimeter too. So, you know, they, they would like to have him available, no question about it. Um, and, and it's a little bit of a surprise that he wasn't. Um, you know, he got popped pretty good, but it never really seemed like it was going to be anything too terribly serious. Um, but obviously they've reached the point where he didn't even make the trip. So, um, so yeah, so anyway, that's, that's kind of all those, those guys, but I think that MJ Rice is, is a difference maker, um, potentially anyway, at, at any, at any moment against anybody. I mean, we saw him really look good in his debut the other night and he's a scorer and he's a dog and he competes and he's long and he's athletic and, and he loves these types of games. I mean, this is his, this is his stage for sure. And uh, so I'm sure he's devastated to not be able to be there. And uh, I, I think that, you know, it probably does hurt KU's rotation a little bit. But if we're being honest, this is probably a game where the rotation was going to be a little bit tight anyway. And, you know, you'll probably see Jalen and DeWan and, and Kevin McCuller, certainly those three play 35 minutes plus, right? And and uh, so I don't know that, that there was going to be a ton of extra minutes anyway. Um, the key will be, our guys like Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yosefu, and then of course Ernest and Zuby, like we already talked about, are they able to uh, to to do what they need to do in the minutes they get, so that maybe those guys don't have to play 38, 39, 40 minutes. Um, and and if they're not, then you know, yeah, you'd either like to have another body that you could go to, like MJ or Zach, or you're going to have to get used to the idea of playing those guys big minutes, but. Anybody that's been paying attention knows that, that that doesn't bother self in the least. I mean, going back to Devontae Graham and and uh, guys before that and guys since him, you know, Devon Dotson. Um, I mean, he'll play he'll play guys 39 minutes if he thinks he needs to to win a game. So I, I don't see why tonight would be any different. And, you know, frankly, I mean, there, I don't see any reason that Dewan and, and Jalen and, and Kevin McCuller wouldn't want to be out there all 40 as long as they don't have foul trouble. I mean, these games are that much fun, and, and they love they love these types of battles. And um, nobody likes to sit unless you're dead tired or or you know have some kind of foul trouble situation. So I don't think it'll be terrible for their rotation, but you know that remains to be seen, and it'll be on it'll be on those sixth, seventh, eighth men to to show whether it's a whether it's a problem or not. On Saturday, K football lost to Texas Tech on the road. Jalen Daniels again suited up, looked like he was maybe was going to play, but ended up not playing and actually we ended up seeing Ethan Vasco at one point in the game. But 
Uh, in that game, uh, do you think KU beats Texas Tech if Jalen Daniels is, is starting and plays the whole game? Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, they made quite a few mistakes, um, really, all over the field, all over the uh, on both sides of the ball. So, um, for whatever reason, they, they, they just they weren't there. They got in another another hold, what was it, 24-7. to 7. You know, that's no way to start a game, obviously. So, um, it, it's hard to answer that. It, it really is. It, it, you know, it was easier to answer back in, like, week six, week seven, week eight, um, because you had just seen Jalen play, and you had, you know, he, he was, he, he was, the, the injury was recent, right? It had just happened. Um, now you're looking at what's, what's he been out since the, the second half of the week six game, and it's week 12. Um, you know, you're well into your second month of not playing. And so you wonder, or at least I do, what, what, what is the rust factor here? I mean, how much of, of Jalen Daniels is going to be the old Jalen Daniels and and how much of it is going to be this rusty, you know, kind of uh, new version that's, that's still recovering a little bit from an injury and, and all of that if he does get out there and play. So, um, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I, I, I mean, you, there were certainly things that Jason Bean did in that Texas Tech game that that showed you why he's he's been pretty good for KU in relief. Um, and then there were certainly things that he did that showed you that, ah, man, he's just not quite the same player. And I think most of it is the feel, um, especially that last fumble late in the game where he just he just didn't feel the guy closing in on him or didn't move if he did. Um, and, and then, you know, he loses the ball and then the game's over. And, and you know, that's not to say that couldn't have happened to Jalen, but it it, it, it it hadn't been happening to him. And, and you, you, you – tend to think that he's more of a feel guy, more of a an artist out there who's able to escape those types of things and, and you know, doesn't maybe make that play. But that's one play. And, and again, the rust is a big question for me. Um, it sounds like he may be ready to go. It sounds like he may be out there this weekend. And uh, it's obviously pretty cool timing because he gets a chance at Texas if he does go. But, um, but I would definitely, you know, Check your your expectations on just how good he'll be and and how good he'll look. He could look great and he could be himself again and the old Jalen. But he also may need a little time and and so um, that that's one that I'm eager to see um, before we can say, you know, oh he's back, he's all the way back, he's the guy, you know, because he is the guy. This this was his team when he went down and and they've missed him in a lot of ways. Um, but it's it's. Uh, in some ways, it's easier to be missed than it is to come back and, and be what you were. So um, we got to see what he looks like. But it would be a great story if he's able to return. And, and you know, the injury itself was such a bummer for him because he was having such a great season. And, and obviously, you know, Kansas has figured out a way to get to that sixth win without him. But but they certainly have missed him. He is Matt Tate. You can check out his work at KUSports.com or in the LJ World's. And uh, we'll see if we get that coverage or if Matt is off and away, more importantly, welcoming a new baby into the world. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, good luck if uh, there is a birth of your child over the next, I don't know, 24 hours, week, whenever. Yeah, thank you, Will. It'll definitely be by Friday, um, one way or the other. So it's uh, it's going to make for an interesting weekend, and, and if anybody's listening that's a, a regular visitor to our site, uh, just... 
try to bear with us. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll do the best I can. Take a we'll chill pill. Matt is having a baby. <laughs> yeah, let's say it's everybody relax good with that. Is it? There's some priorities in play there, and and you know if if it if it looks a little slow on the site for a handful of days, you know just. Hang in there, and, and I'll be back, and uh, you know we'll, we'll start getting my kid on some podcasts and video casts immediately because <laughs> you can't start him too early. I mean, it, you know, no. you saw the video clips of Tiger Woods with the club in his mm. hands at that age. Well, let's go, let's get you on camera and see what you got, <laughs> you know, and, and we'll, we'll we'll start firing it up pretty quick. So I appreciate the well wishes, man. We're very excited, and and uh, and certainly uh, we'll we'll. Make it through it with flying colors, no matter what happens, and and uh, and then we'll be back. I'll be back covering everything as usual, real soon. But um, looking forward to the to the little break and and obviously a big big time for the family. It's gonna be awesome. So thank you, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, that's Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. My college football playoff rankings next. In the world of college football, where chaos reigns supreme, one man, one myth, one legend will sort it all out with his college football playoff rankings. This man's name is... I love sleeping in on Saturdays. And I love college football games. You're listening to Derek's College Football Playoff Rankings on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You need to go back to whatever the hell you was doing before you got on the radio. Let's get to the rankings now. Ah, one of my favorite times of the week. I get to tell you where everybody should be ranked. Committee's going to have their rankings tonight between the two games of the Champions Classic. Michigan State's playing Kentucky in the first game. I saw Michigan State's getting six, but that's actually kind of an interesting game. Michigan State almost beat Gonzaga. I don't know how much you take yeah. away from a game that was played outdoors on an aircraft carrier, <laughs> uh, but hey, that's you know that's not a bad thing. You're telling you me you don't you don't take the aircraft carrier game uh, as, no. as gospel? No, I definitely don't. I mean, when you, when you say in the early season like these games don't really matter, <laughs> that game definitely doesn't matter. Um, so. It is what it is, but I, I could see them putting in kind of a scare on, on Kentucky. I don't know how much shooting Kentucky has. Some of their players are, are kind of banged up with Oscar Shibway and uh, Severe Wheeler, so I don't know how healthy they're going to be, but that should actually be a pretty good game in the first one of the season. But that said, it's time for my college football rankings this week, and there's only one team that is actually off the list. We have a lot of consistency from last week. That would be Oregon if you don't count week one. They, they lost, lost to Washington. Yeah. yeah they, I, I, the way they lost was terrible. Yeah, it was. Can, can you explain what happened? Okay, for, for so the game was tied at 34, and Oregon had a fourth and one or fourth and inches at their own 34-yard line with like maybe a minute left in the game. So they're at their own 34. They choose to go for it instead of punting, and the running back actually slipped and fell on the handoff and just fell on the backfield. So he, he didn't even get a chance to try to like make a play at the line of scrimmage. He just fell down. Uh, Washington took over. They kick a field goal. They win the game. That's brutal, man. <laughs> brutal. You know, it's one thing to get stopped. It's another thing for you to just not even have a chance. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I had some people say, well, okay, well, well, shouldn't you just say, what if you did Oregon if you don't count week one and week, I don't even know what week that was, week, week 11, 11, something like that. 
And hypothetically, you could, but, but, but now you're, you're making just, too many excuses. Yeah, exactly. You're, you you're get putting one in excuse. too many caveats yeah, for, exactly. for, for being a bad team. Exactly. Right? Like, so they're off. At that point, you could just say, well, we'll just throw up any team that's one and eight if we don't include <laughs> any of the games they lost. Yeah, I kind of like your thinking there. Honorable <laughs> mention, by the way, Iowa with an average offense is lurking back up. They would be nine and one right now with an average offense. Their one loss would still be a multiple score loss to Ohio State, although yeah. maybe you could argue that because a lot of Ohio State's points came off of turnovers, but they're actually hot in real life now. Like they're, They actually <laughs> maybe are finding an average offense because they're putting up like 24 points. You beat Wisconsin last week. Okay. So, uh, Iowa, with an average offense, they might be in the Big Ten Championship. Receiving I don't votes. Know. Receiving votes. They are. Okay, number eight, dropping from number one. Oh. Colleges called Bethel. <laughs> the Bethel Wildcats actually won. They moved to 11-0, 27-17 win at Cumberland. They're moving to the NAIA playoffs. Okay. Bethel Threshers, though, did not play. They stayed at 9-1, and one, and they did not get in the playoffs. Kind of controversy among the NAI and the KCAC. There were like three or four teams tied for the conference victory, and okay. it's only like you have to be ranked. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, I don't know how they determined who made the playoffs or who got the official bid, but Bethel did not, so sucks Man. for them. Uh, the Bethel Royals... Also lost to St. John's twenty-eight to ten, so they finish eight and two. Uh, they are in the playoffs though in D three. Combined record twenty-eight and three, two playoff appearances. So they drop a tad, but still good enough to be on the yeah, list. Yeah, because they, they they didn't all three make the playoffs. No, yeah, yeah. that hurts them. Yeah, and that could hurt them moving forward because they won't have as much volume to move ahead. Oh, that's true. Okay, number seven, up from number eight, Sacramento State. They beat Portland State 45 to 17 on the road, no less. They're now 10 and 0. Nick, what? What do you think the real Slim Shady should do? The real Slim Shady should stand up. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Well, how about the real M&M? <laughs> As in not Marshall Mathers, how about Marshall Martin? <laughs> Sac State's leading receiver. He's doing it all as a tight end. Marshall Martin, the real M&M. Standing up right now for Sac State. <clears throat> I like that. Up from number seven is our new number six team. That would be North Central. We had the not snafu North Carolina last week. Central. Yes, not North Carolina <laughs> Central. It is North Central. Is up from number seven. They won sixty-three to three over Augustana College last week. They're now ten and zero. They've now beaten their last six opponents by a combined score of three hundred and forty-nine to six. <laughs> Their average score all seasons, so not just those six games, through ten games, is fifty-eight to five. Nick, who is your favorite member of the Beatles? Mm. Can uh, you name any members yeah, of Ring, the Beatles? Yeah, I can name all of them. Okay, Ringo Starr. Is he your favorite? Yeah, he'll he'll be my favorite. Okay, I, I I actually think that if I were in a band, I'd be the drummer. Oh. That's, that's like the role that I think I would play if I was in a band. Okay, Ringo Starry favorite. That is not the correct answer we were looking for, though. John Lennon was the correct answer we were looking for. Okay. As in North Carolina, or no, not, I'm sorry. I'm kind, See, of I did it again. I'm kind of offended you didn't think I could name the Beatles. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, North Central quarterback Luke Lennon, spelled differently, not related, but inspired by the Beatles, maybe. Could he be. uh, has 32 total touchdowns. He'll suffice. Into okay. the top five. Up from number six. Whoever the top team in D2 is, all these teams, again, last week were 10-0, which was one better than the 9-0 of most other teams. Well, now they're all 11-0. So, again, they won up all these other teams. 
<laughs> one team did lose. There were six last week. Now there's five, but it doesn't affect it because it's just whoever the top team is. Yeah. And so either way, it's, you know. I mean, it could affect it. You have you have less opportunities. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, Shepard was the one that lost. Here's the five that are still undefeated in 11-0. Benedict, Pittsburgh State, Wachita Baptist, Angelo State, and Grand Valley. Whoever is the best, you're number five. Congrats. Could you uh, name the state in which all five of those colleges are located? Let's see. Pittsburgh State's obviously Kansas. Okay, yeah. That's an easy one for us, at least. But Washita Baptist is in Illinois, I think. That was going to be my guess. I, I don't think I could name a single other one. I don't know where Benedict is. Washita Baptist is in Arkansas. Oh, <laughs> okay. Let's see. Benedict College... That sounds like a New York college. See, all that's popping up is Benedictine, which is in Kansas, <laughs> but I don't know about Benedict. I don't know. They're all over the place. Doesn't okay. matter. Okay. They're good at football. In at number four, this team up a spot from number five. Not a ton of movement in this week's polls. Still haven't had our new team yet, though. Uh, but up from number five is the TCU Horned Frogs. They downed Texas 17-10. to 10. Yep. Showed off the defense. We hadn't really seen that yeah, this season. Yeah, that's true, yeah. They're yeah. now 10-0. By, Nick, the way, by the way, the over-under in that game was 66 and a half. Not even they close. Scored, they scored 27. Nick, what's your favorite season? My favorite season? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have to go with, with spring. Spring's a good season. Mm. I get bad spring. allergies in spring. Okay. Fall's the best. Okay. How about winter, though? Okay. As in D. Winters, who leads TCU with six and a half sacks. Had three tackles in the game against Texas. Okay, into the top three. Still hasn't been a new team yet. Where are they going to come in? Not at number three. We are anxiously Stay. awaiting. At number three is whoever is winning the Big Ten East. There were three last week. Both Michigan and Ohio State won big. Both stayed atop the division. They're both 10-0 overall. By the way, Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State, that dude is unbelievable. Maybe. He is insane. He's so good. You know what's crazy is I think he he's a true sophomore, so he did, he still has to yeah one more year. He's not even he draft eligible be in the draft, and he would probably be the number one receiver easily. He really would. We're gonna get to our college football ranking or, or college football whip round on our next segment, and we're gonna get into some Heisman talk. He should be brought up, and honestly, C.J. Stroud shouldn't win it. He has too many good players around him. <laughs> I know that. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, okay. Oh, I, know, I, I understand. Two. I understand where you're going. With into the top two, number two, new team. The opposite of Northwestern in the United States. <laughs> Wait, what? So hear me out here. Northwestern overall, they're one and nine, correct? Okay. Their one win came over Nebraska. It was played it was, in Ireland. It was in Ireland. It yeah. was not in the United States. Meaning, in the games they've just played in the United States, they're zero and nine. Okay. That means the opposite of Northwestern in the United States is nine and zero, and they okay. have wins over Ohio State. Iowa, Penn State, and more. They have seven Power 5 victories, including over a team tied for our number three team because they'd have the win over Ohio State. Yeah, that's true. So the opposite of Northwestern in the United States, unbeaten, never lost. It is It is funny. Like, the, the Nebraska curse, there was that graphic floating around for a while where every team that beat Nebraska subsequently would lose <laughs> their next, like, multiple games. I love that. And Northwestern, the curse has lasted all season. They haven't beat anybody. Yeah. But it's good for the opposite of Northwestern, as long as they're <laughs> playing in the States. All right, number one, up from number two, had to be boring, Georgia. Georgia, yeah. they're number one. They blew up Mississippi State 45-19 to on the road. Nick, are you excited to see the new Mario movie? 
Um, uh, you know, with, with Chris Pratt as the voice of Mario, I was questioning whether or not I was going to see it, but I might. Which is your favorite character? In Mario? Yeah. Well, like, if I play Mario Kart, I my go-to is Waluigi. Mm, wrong answer. Correct answer is Bowser, is in Brock Bowers, stud tight end for Georgia. 39 catches, 615 yards, also a true sophomore. That's going to be a crazy draft class. Bowser is a bad character in Mario Kart, by the way. Too heavy. Yeah, he's too heavy. Too slow. Yeah. But Brock Bowers, fast, tight end. <laughs> he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our college football playoff rankings for the week. Real ones, quote unquote, come out tonight. We got our college football whip around coming up on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Before we go to break, looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering. Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Another college football playoff rankings is going to come out tonight, and I don't think we're going to have anything that's going to be too crazy on those. Like Georgia will still be number one. Ohio State and Michigan will still be right there. Like TCU will probably still be number four. So uh, the the only like hypotheticals that, that really matter, and we're going to get into some of this stuff, is, is what's going to really happen with the Pac-12? Where would a hypothetical one-loss TCU go? And what do we do with Clemson if if that stuff happens? I, I want to start in the Pac-12, though, for this college football whip round. Okay. Um, Oregon loses to Washington. UCLA loses at home to Arizona. The Oregon loss to Washington is it's obviously bad for them because it gives them their second loss and it kicks them out of a, oh, a chance to make the playoff, right? Yeah, they're done. But the UCLA loss is even more mystifying and worse because Arizona Washington's sucks. at least like a top 25 team. Yeah, Arizona's, Arizona's not very good. Thanks. That's really bad for the Pac-12. So now it is for the Pac-12, it's USC or bust. I don't know if you saw, but uh, with those two losses, with Arizona beating UCLA and Washington beating Oregon, the Pac-12 circle of suck has been completed. <laughs> every team has beaten every other team in the Pac-12. I think that's happened in the Sun Belt, too. But the Sun Belt's a good conference. Yeah, it is. The Pac-12 uh, is not. If Baylor beats... TCU, I bet you it happens in the Big 12. Are you sure about that? I mean, I don't know for sure, but just off like the top <laughs> of my head, I don't know. Probably. I mean, obviously, it's, it'd be possible, I guess. But I think I feel like it would because everybody else has multiple losses. Yeah, so it would just take. You could I, probably I make know. it work. Um, but this is crazy. There's like a lot of ways that there could be a five-team tie, and like the the scenarios for it because there's no long, longer divisions in the Pac-12. The scenarios for how teams get in, it's so crazy right now, which honestly is, is probably a, a... You're talking about a five-team tie in the Pac-12. Yes. This this could happen where five teams could tie at seven and two. It's it's not that crazy either. This is how okay. it would happen. Okay. I'm listening. UCLA would have to beat USC and Cal. Okay. Cal sucks. And USC, that's a rivalry that's a game. toss-up game, right? They could win. Washington has to beat Colorado and Washington State. Colorado's the worst team in, in the country, and... Washington State. That's another Apple Cup. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Oregon has to beat Utah and then lose to Oregon State. Oregon State's That's been possible. You know, good yeah, team. Oregon State's Fringe not top twenty-five team. Utah has to lose to Oregon and beat Colorado. That's how you end up yeah. in a five-way tie. That's not That's, that great. That's actually pretty doable. I know, honestly. right? Like, because Colorado's horrible, so both they could win those games. The you know rivalry games could go either way in some of those scenarios. And if that happens, the result, I believe, would be Oregon and Utah would play for the Pac-12 title. Okay. 
That's crazy. Are you sure about that? No, I am not. Because <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what the tiebreaker. But that's is. what I'm rooting for. Um, I mean, in a in a in a divisionless conference, besides head to head, what other tiebreaker can you use? I don't know how that works. I don't, I don't know. Like the Big 12's tiebreaker, how it works is that if two teams are tied, or or if three teams are tied, and it's like the triangle of beating each other where you can't use head to head. I believe it goes to you just go in order of the highest other Big 12 team that's not in the tiebreaker and your head to head results Common against record. them. I believe, yeah, yeah. And then it's just like slowly, and, and they have ways of sifting it out. I don't know. But for USC, it's kind of a tough finish for them because obviously they're going to have to win out. These would be their last three games. They've at UCLA, which I guess isn't really a road game one because UCLA doesn't draw. And also it's in LA. Like that's going to probably be, honestly, probably more USC fans. Um, Notre Dame, and then a possible Pac-12 title. Do we really think they make it through that? Because to this point, I know USC only has one loss, but it's not like they've shown anything to be like this dominant team. I mean, these are these are the teams they've beaten. They don't have any top 25 wins. They've beaten Rice, Stanford by 13, who is 3-7, Fresno State by 28, at Oregon State by 3. That's their best best win. Oregon State's a solid team, but it's not right now top 25. Arizona State by 17. That's a 3-7 and seven team. Washington State by 16. That's a 6-4 and four team. At Arizona by 8, who's 4-6. and six. Cal by 6, who's 3-7. and seven. And Colorado, who, like you said, is like the worst Power 5 team. Why <laughs> is USC getting all this respect? And, and that just leads me to believe they're not going to win out. Three games against top 25 opponents the last three weeks, they ain't going to win out. Yeah. But I guess if they do, then maybe tip of the cap to them, and, th- and then they yeah, have a chance. Maybe that tips the scales in their favor. The way that I would put this, though, because of that crappy schedule for them, and, and they haven't blown out a lot of those opponents, for me, and I don't know if the committee would see it this way, for okay. me, if TCU hypothetically lost to Baylor this week in a, in a close loss, and then wins their final game, I forget who they play, and then wins the, the Big 12 title, I would take a 12-1 and TCU with their resume and having to beat a bunch of the other Big 12 schools over that USC resume. I think TCU's last game is West Virginia. Okay, so they should win that one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's West Virginia. So, yeah, so w- would you agree with me, though? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the the top to bottom of the Big 12 is a better conference yeah. than the Pac-12. And I don't know if so the committee would teams, see it that way. If you have two teams, from one from the Big 12, one from the Pac-12, with both are 12-1, and one, you would think the Big 12 team has the advantage there because yeah. the Big 12 is a better conference. Well, if we just go based on, I mean, and that's not even that's not even like a question, I don't think. Like that's just objective truth. The Big well, Twelve is a better football conference. Than I mean, Pac-12. I I think you could actually make the argument that the Pac Twelve has the better top of the conference because even though that UCLA and Oregon just lost, you're talking about Washington, Utah, Oregon, UCLA, and USC are all top twenty teams, right? But here's okay. the problem: that schedule for USC. Notice all those schools I said. The only one they played is Utah and UCLA, and. So and they lost to Utah. Yeah, exactly. And so with TCU, you at least have. I mean, yeah, Kansas State will be top twenty. Yep, Texas probably be top twenty, even though they maybe shouldn't be. Yeah, and then maybe you get one other team. I I don't know. I just I I feel like TCU is the better team, and they, and they've also they've they've just shown more. I feel like against some of the like, whereas USC is, has played is, some crappy teams. It is tough for TCU, like Oklahoma State falling off significantly. Hurts them. Yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma being bad. Kansas has now fallen off. There's just more I mean, depth I mean, of, like, the, bull wins. At I one point, like. Kansas was the best win TCU had. Yeah. 
Yeah, TCU could really use Kansas to beat Texas this week, maybe, and like work their way into the rankings at seven and four somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, on the flip side of that, if Texas wins, then maybe that looks better for them. Like, I don't know. Well, what TCU really needs is K State to win out and then TCU mm. to beat them again. In so they the- get a really high ranked win. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting because this is what it's kind of devolving into for, for who makes the playoff. Georgia, whoever wins the Ohio State-Michigan game, probably Tennessee at this point, because they're probably going to win out. Uh, you would have the case of whoever loses the Ohio State-Michigan game. If LSU wins the SEC championship, they would be in. With a win, with a win against Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, although that's that's an interesting test study. If Because then you'd have... 12 and 1 Georgia and 11 and 1 Tennessee. And yeah, but who would get in LSU. between 11 and 1 Tennessee? Who would get in in that situation from the SEC? Because Tennessee blew out LSU. Yeah, they did. I forgot about that. And LSU would have two losses. I wonder if they would You can't leave out the SEC champ. That's that's tough. You can't do that. You can't you do go it. Georgia and, and LSU and leave out Tennessee, even though they blew out LSU. <laughs> That's tough. Because if Tennessee, you can make the argument, well, if Tennessee is just in the West this year, it'd be Tennessee playing in the SEC title, and LSU wouldn't have even had that chance. So I don't know how you how you distinguish that. That's that's kind of tough to figure out. Um, TCU possibly, Clemson possibly. I think Clemson's done. I don't think Clemson's making it in. Well, what's interesting for me with Clemson is. Okay, let's like, say even if they finish twelve and one, to me they're the, the they're the first team out. Well, let's go through. But this. It doesn't matter what they do. I don't think. Let's go through this. Clemson finishes twelve and one. They went out. They beat you know top fifteen North Carolina team in the ACC title. Uh, let's say that Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title. So Georgia's for sure the one seed. Whoever wins Ohio State, Michigan, for sure the two seed. What if they? What if whoever wins that game loses the Big Ten title? That just creates a whole nother round of chaos that. I think we'll get to if the bridge crosses. But okay. let's just say you have a let, let's just say Ohio State wins. Okay, so just thirteen to, just to put Georgia, thirteen right, 13 Ohio, Ohio State. State. So now those two teams are locked in. Now let's say TCU loses to Baylor, but then wins the Big Twelve for the final two spots. Here would be your teams in competition. Let's say USC loses as well. So now the competition for two spots is eleven and one Tennessee, eleven and one Michigan, twelve and one TCU, twelve and one Clemson. So you have four teams really for two spots. I think TCU should be in. And then either Michigan or Tennessee for your other for your other spot. I mean, the problem for Clemson is they're not really going to have a ton of ranked wins on, on their schedule at the end. But one thing that is going Clemson's way that could really help if Notre like if Notre Dame beats USC being kind of good. Well, and yeah, because Notre Dame's seven and three right now. If Notre Dame beats USC, and let's say they finish the season nine and three, and they'll be ranked in the top twenty I mean, at that Notre point, Notre Dame was com- was completely written off, mm-hmm. completely written off. All of a sudden, that loss for Clemson looks a lot better because right now that's being held against them as it probably should be. But like all their their ranked wins right now, Syracuse no longer but ranked. Yeah, I, I guess at that point you could say, well, uh, the Notre Dame loss for Clemson is better than a Baylor loss for yeah. TCU. Unless I mean, would Baylor beat? TCU and then win their last game, and would they be ranked? You know, so th- that's the discussion. Does like, Baylor who would have be a shot in? at the Big Twelve title if they beat TCU? I think if they win out and they have some weird stuff happen, maybe like K State loses the last two. Well, I mean, we're talking a lot about we're talking about a lot of weird stuff happening, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. 
I mean, that's that's the beauty of college football with all that weird stuff happening. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about all this, and then I just I, I think none it, of it's going to happen. Couldn't it be telling that Clemson and TCU, when they were both undefeated and had the same record, Clemson was four and TCU was seven? Like, shouldn't that tell us it's, if that's just that? It's just bias. It's Clemson bias. Okay, so I I'm not even disagreeing that I do think TCU is better than Clemson, but shouldn't that tell us what the committee is thinking? I just. I know you don't like it. I don't like the committee. But shouldn't that tell you that if both are 12-1 and one, that Clemson would be higher? I mean, in all seriousness, like, if TCU got got cut out, I, I, my life would be fine. I don't really I know, care. I know. So I, I don't know why I'm going to bat for TCU so hard. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't care. Well, and then the other question is, would 12-1 and one Clemson or 12-1 and one TCU get in over 11-1 and one Tennessee or 11-1 and one Michigan? Um. Yes. So in the scenario you just highlighted, where mm. they're both twelve and one, and you have two eleven and one teams, if if TCU or Clemson were in, one of the eleven and one teams would be the four seed. I do think that for Tennessee, it actually hurt them that LSU beat Alabama, because yeah. now that like that was going to be the calling card for Tennessee that they were eleven and one. Yeah. Their only loss was to the number one team, and that they, they beat, beat Alabama, who would probably be like the five, or, the number five or number six team. Now Bama, they'll still be ranked in the top ten. Turns out Bama sucks. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe Bama will lose again to Auburn or something. Um, That'd be wild, and that would certainly hurt Tennessee. By the, way, the SEC is so soft, man. You see who they're playing this week? That's what they always do. They're playing the Clown Brigade in Week Twelve of college football season, late November. No, no offense to the Clown Brigade of whoever they're playing. I mean, Auburn. So Auburn's playing Western Kentucky. Somebody's playing Eastern East Tennessee. Yeah, that's Bama's what they playing do. somebody like. That's just stupid. Yeah, they set it up, get healthy. Like, I'm going to write an angry letter to Greg Sankey. Be like, hey, what are you doing? Make your teams play each other. in. Con- you have you have 100 teams in the SEC, and you can't play nine conference games? Like, can, seriously? Can I make a, a case for Alabama still to have a chance to make the playoff? Oh, easily. All they have to do is win, win the SEC. Well, I don't think they can anymore. With what happened last weekend, LSU clinched it. Wait, really? For the division, yeah. Oh. But, like, what if Tennessee loses one of the final two? They go at South Carolina or at Vanderbilt. And I know at that point they would have the same record as Wait, Bama. I thought and they would LSU only clinched if Ole Miss beat Alabama. And Ole Miss did not beat Alabama. No, they, they clinched if Ole Miss beat Alabama. And I, I don't know. I just know that they – I just saw that they clinched. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been the other way around. I don't know. Um, doesn't matter. They've clinched now. Um okay. Well, in that case, then I don't know. I don't think Bama can get in then. But if they go ten and two, and USC loses, so now you're ten and two. Bama is going to be head of you a two loss pack. Every champ. team to lose. I know. Times. But your scenario happens where the winner of Ohio State Michigan loses to like Iowa. That's not going to keep them out of. That's not going to keep them out of the playoff. I don't think. LSU loses in the like if Ohio State beats yeah, the crap right. out of Michigan, and then like. Loses to Iowa in some fluke game. Ohio State's still going to be in. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay, what about the group of five race? This is actually super interesting for who's going to be the highest ranked group of five team and and make a RIP Tulane. Yeah, New Year's Six Bowl stuff. RIP Liberty actually. Liberty is a sad one. I would think UCF has to be the favorite now. They win big at Tulane. They were already ranked. Yeah, Liberty loses to UConn, so they're they're Liberty uses loses a bye game to UConn. 
the epitome of brutality. But there's three teams who are eight and two and five and one in conference playing the AAC with UCF, Tulane, and Cincinnati. Tulane's not done. They could still play in the yeah. AAC title and, and maybe get revenge on UCF. Yeah. I would imagine whoever wins the AAC, like that'll probably be the team. Maybe UTSA at eight and two UTSA should have a chance here. The boys. I mean, they had a what double, triple overtime, yeah, loss, triple to overtime Houston, loss to Houston. And then a loss to Texas. That's it. Yep. Yep, they it. should be getting more recognition here. And then honestly, I feel like the Sun Belt should be getting some recognition here. Coastal Carolina is nine and one. Troy and South Alabama are eight and two. South Alabama's only losses they lost by a point to UCLA and then by one score to Troy. Yeah, that Troy South Alabama game was ugly. By the way, yeah, it was like, it like a Thursday like night. Thursday night, ugly game. Okay, what about the Heisman race? Right now, if you go on DraftKings, you can get the. Leader C.J. Stroud at plus 110. And I understand that the stats are are amazing for C.J. Stroud, but so are the stats for these other guys. And I feel like we're putting too much into the fact that just like, oh, well, Ohio State's undefeated because you look at what C.J. Stroud has around him. He has... I mean, I could throw for 3,000 yards with what he's got. Is Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams at running back, who are two guys who might end up both being like first or second round picks by the time they're both eligible. Williams is a freshman. Henderson's a sophomore. Uh, Marvin, Marvin Harrison going to be yeah, maybe like a top, top 10 pick. Five pick. Right, exactly, when, when he's eligible in a couple of years. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be like a late first or an early second round pick. He's been injured a bit this season. Uh, the Abukum or, or whatever Abuka kid, like, he'll be a, a high-round draft pick as well. They've all sorts of... I mean, it's insane how much talent he has around him. And and he's still really good. This is not me saying that he can't win. If you have a lot of talent, that doesn't mean you can't like win. I feel like you're saying he can't win. I just... I, I see the... It's it's one thing if you put up numbers that are just stupendously better than these other guys. But, like, if you're just to do comparisons... Like, Hendon Hooker, for instance, at Tennessee. Records 9-1. and one, Ohio State's 10-0. and 0. That shouldn't really be a, a distinguishing factor. C.J. Stroud has a 90.9 QBR. Hendon Hooker's a 90.2. Hendon Hooker has about 400 more total yards when you add up the passing and rushing. He has five less touchdowns. He also has two less interceptions. Hendon Hooker's also averaging more yards per attempt. Drake May, for instance, uh, doing more with less at North Carolina. Only has one more loss than C.J. Stroud. QBR similar. He has like a 1,000 more total yards. He has five more total touchdowns, one less interception, yards per attempt is like 0.4 less. Caleb Williams, again, like you're putting up similar stats. You go down the list of all these quarterbacks, they're putting up similar stats. To me, I would go with Hendon Hooker or Drake May I, I at this point in time. Those guys are doing it with a little less than C.J. Stroud has, and those guys are having phenomenal seasons to lift up programs that weren't expected to maybe be here. Well, that was a really, really great analysis of why C.J. Stroud's going to win the Heisman, Derek. <laughs> He just, I don't know. I kind of am in on the fact, though, that you can get, like, Hendon Hooker at plus 360. I, I kind of look at Drake May. Drake May at plus 650. So, Hendon Hooker's not going to get the Carolina chance. North Carolina would have to win the win the ACC. Yes, they would. But that's what you're kind of banking on here. And maybe Caleb Williams at 12-1 to has something to it as well. Blake Corum at 6-1, to like, he's a running back. He's not going to win it. I'm sorry. He's had a great season. Oh, almost 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, but you're running back. Sorry. Sorry. Hennon Hooker's not going to get a chance to play on conference championship Saturday. I think it's That's bad. Yes, it's pretty certain. I feel like he'll be an invitee to New York. Okay. I feel like Drake May would be the one but because Clemson is susceptible. North Carolina could be Clemson. And Drake May is putting up all these numbers. Okay, but even if they win the ACC, if, not Ohio, State's playoff, 13 sure. and, if Ohio State's 13 and 0, C.J. Stroud's winning. Like, Drake May would have to throw for like 
400 yards against Clemson. But he might. Like six and this, this is what I'm pointing out. Like, okay, Drake May has, has 3,996 total yards. C.J. Stroud has 2,833. Drake May has 39 total touchdowns. C.J. Stroud has 34. Drake May has three interceptions. C.J. Stroud has four. Drake May plays with a lot less talent around him. If Drake May goes ten and one at the uh, at North Carolina or twelve and one at North Carolina, they win the ACC, and he's putting up a lot more bigger totals than CJ Stroud. I don't care that he's thirteen and zero. To me, that's worth more. And I get it. I'm not the guy who decides who wins the Heisman or anything. So you know, uh, the narrative does matter, and you it should seems be, like the narrative the is with CJ Stroud. But I'm just saying, I'm all aboard for Drake May. You, you should be the guy. Thank you. I appreciate that. You should, you should get a Heisman vote. Well, isn't it a whole committee of voters? Yeah. It's, um, oh, there's there's thousands of voters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you sh- we should get you on the voting list. I, I don't know. Can you, how do you, can you apply? I don't think so. I know there's a, it's like a regional pool director and they pick people who you're have telling votes. Me I, we, you're telling me we can't apply to be a Heisman voter. I don't think so. It's, it's based on, you have to know someone who has the ability to give out the votes, basically. I know a couple people who do have votes. Um, because is, is, I mean, isn't like the same as AP voting? Uh, I don't know if it's the same. It might be the same, like okay, kind of thing. We, oh, by the time next college football season rolls around, we need to acquire votes. <laughs> okay, we'll see what we can do. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some more Lance Leipold audio to get to you on the other side. This is RCST. <laughs> Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. We got KU basketball coming at you after the show tonight. Pre-game going to start at 7, tip off at 8.30. You can also hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Uh, by the way, did you know we have half-price gift cards? You just got to go to klwn.com, click the Hometown Deals tab, and you'll see all the uh, 50% off gift cards for that. So Kansas takes on Duke, the game tonight. Uh, right now, Kansas is getting a few points with the line kind of coming to a close. We talked about some of the player props in the earlier part of the show, and that should be a little bit of a guiding force as we're going to get to our rock chalk pick-a-hawk here. Duke has a really big team. They have had their best start defensively in terms of I believe it was points allowed per game in like 70 years. So they have a good defense with yep. a lot of size. Haven't played a ton of great teams. Obviously, this will be a different challenge for for them as it will be for Kansas on the other side. Um, but that'll certainly impact some of these picks here. And All right, so how many picks do we get? Because we have a, a lot of guys yeah. out, hurt, not playing. So last last, last week we did, we, we did six 12. each. Yeah, yeah so 12 six. total. But this week, we as you just like, mentioned, so Cam Maybe. Martin and Kyle Cuff are out for an extended period of time. MJ Rice and Zach Clements did not make the trip. So if so we're going to be picking to... six each, we're going to be taking walk-ons. So we're not going to do that. So we should do like four each. We could or do five, five. We could do five. Because even though there's nine scholarship players, there could be a chance Michael Jankovic plays in yeah, this we could, game. Yeah, we could do five. Um, the only problem with doing five is part of the snake draft. It would be unequal amounts of... Picks, essentially. Oh, I see what you're saying. But do we really care about the fifth round pick being in a different order? I don't know. Well, why don't we just not do the snake snake then? Why don't we just do... Just go back and forth? Back okay. and forth. I'm fine with that. With so we'll five, do five each five? and we'll go back and forth. Isn't that, isn't that fair? Yeah, that's yeah, fine okay. with me. Okay. 
Um, so I will even I, I'll let you pick who has the first pick then because you okay. lost in week one. It, it was yeah, kind I of did. a close game, but yeah, I, I did lose. High scoring. Um, I think I. I Should think we just I flip to, a coin? I feel like that's the most okay, fair way to do it. I don't even know if I have a coin, but we're gonna find out. If we don't have a coin, then I'll let you go first. That'll be how we decide it. Okay. I do have a coin though. Do oh, you nice. want heads or tails? It is uh, a tails never fails. Let's see. It is. You gotta be. You gotta be the official. Uh, on one side, the Buffalo is heads, and the other side. I love when the ref did that in. I think it was that game, the, the Buffalo Minnesota game. And he goes as they were going to overtime. He's like, as you can see, this is still heads. Yeah. This is still tails. Yep. Um, okay, so you want tails, and uh, do you want me to catch and flip or just catch and flip? Okay, catch and flip. Catch, flip. It bang. is heads. Okay. So I will take the first <laughs> pick. Go first. Okay. And we're gonna go back and forth here. Rock chalk pick off. Pick a hawk. Reminder on the rules. You get a point for every point that the player scores. You lose a point for every shot they take. So if you get 15 points on nine shots, that would be basically a plus six. Yep. You also get two points for every assist, two points for every rebound, three points for every steal and every block, and then you lose two points for a turnover. So an assist and a turnover is just like a net neutral. All right, I'm going first, and I'm going Jalen Wilson. Seems like the obvious one. He's the projected leader to lead the team in points, which makes sense. He's also uh, the guy you feel most confident in is going to get the most rebounds because you don't know which center is going to play the most. He's just going to put up a lot of points. Jalen Wilson, obvious number one pick. I will go with Grady Dick because I think he has the possibility to score a lot of points on a few number of shots. Like, imagine if he you know hits two or three threes. So he has you know a lot of points on less less shots. More chance for rebounds, too. Yeah. Great dick. I think he had uh, six rebounds last game. Yep. So you're going to need him to get in on those. And, and for KU to push in transition, they're going to need the wings to grab and go. And, like, <laughs> part of what the bigs could do for Kansas isn't even grabbing the rebound. It's just box out their big men to allow the wings to come in and, and grab the board. I think that's a good one. Yep. And I, I could see this being, like, a, a big-time game for Grady Dick shooting the ball. There's going to be a lot of NBA scouts there. Um Yep. You have the, I don't know, he's played against a lot of these guys maybe last year on, on different circuits and whatnot. Like, KU needs him to shoot well, so uh, that's that's a good one there. Okay. Uh, see, this is, for me, I'm between two guys. I am going to go, man, I'm going back and forth between Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. Um, and I'll be interested to see if you just pick the other one. So I think I think Kevin McCuller scores more than Dewan Harris. I think Dewan Harris gets a more assist than Kevin McCuller, but I also don't think either category is like much more than the other guy. I don't think either one's going to get like a ton of rebounds. Both are probably going to get steal. They're, we, they're we like the a, same. We need to make a, a pick clock here. All right, all right. Uh, I'll go Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris, Matt Tate. Uh, on his behalf, I will pick him for him. He said he's the the you know player who could have a big impact. Yeah. Now he didn't necessarily say he's going to have the biggest statistical impact, which right. that's kind of what this is. I'm going to go. I'm going to go outside the box here. I'm going to go with Ernest Uday. Oh, I think he could potentially play a lot of minutes. And another guy that rebounds are worth everything re- in this. Rebounds, and he gets out and you know has some dunks. Ernest Uday. Yeah, I like that one. I mean, if he plays a good amount of time, could get six, eight points, could get eight, ten rebounds, a couple blocks, who knows? I mean, if you're if you are the center that puts up the numbers, it's gonna be worth it. I will go Kevin McCuller. That was the guy I was I was in on for the other one. So uh you have the next pick. Would you are um, you gonna take KJ Adams? Yeah, um uh well 
Could go Zuby Edgifer. Double down on the true centers. I actually I want to go with Bobby Pettiford. Oh. He played really well get, in this event last year. Yeah, I think I think he'll get some run uh as the backup guard and get some assists. Pettiford. See, so this is crazy because now I so basically there's of the four players who are going to be left on the board at this point, it's Joe Yesifu, yep. uh Michael Jankovic, uh Zuby Edgifer, and then KJ Adams. And so I am between KJ and Zuby, and it should be a home run KJ Adams. He's been the starting center the last two games. Who knows how much Zuby Edgefer even plays? But, like, I just think in this matchup... He could play a lot more. Right. That it makes more sense to play him, but I got to go with the guy with who's, who's I know is going to play more minutes, so I will go KJ Adams, even though I really don't want to give you Zuby. I was hoping you would have gone with Zuby, because I would have mm. rather had KJ Adams, okay. but I'll take Zuby. I'll make you a trade. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a trade. All right, so that makes this the last pick. No, I have the last pick. Well, the last pick for me. The oh, last uh, round of picks, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you basically have Jankovic. Yeah, Joe Yesfu or Jankovic, uh, or you could just be like, you know, I'll take Wilder Evers, <laughs> you know? So this is something we talked about last game. When you took Joe Yesifu, he has the potential that he could hit some shots and, and give you a nice positive performance. Yes. There's also potential there that he goes negative. 0 for 4, right? Yes. And then he gets negative. With Michael Jankovic, he might not play. And even if he does, he might only shoot one three, and at most it's it's minus one, right? Michael Jankovic got me three points last week. Yes. It's it's the ceiling play. Because at most, though, Jankovic is hitting one three. Yes, he could, could score eight a, points, as he did last game. Jankovic could maybe get an assist. Yeah, but so could Joe Yesifu. He's going to be probably handling the ball more. Yeah. So it, it's a matter for me of whether I'd rather have the ceiling play or the floor play. I'm going to go for the floor play because I like my first four picks here. I potentially have four of the five starters. Yeah, I. in hindsight, I might have flubbed my draft a little bit by not going. I don't know. Either. I mean, Ernest Duday might start over KJ. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's a bad pick. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I should have probably gone with McCuller as my second pick instead of Uday, but it is what it is. We'll ride. We'll ride. I, I still don't the, think it was a bad pick show. because if Uday does play 20 minutes and yes. gets you more numbers, it could it's, be a good, it's worth more stats. Yes. So I'm going to go Michael Jankovic. So you taking Joe Yesifu or are you yep. going with somebody who you no. know is just going to get you like zero? Give me, give me Yesifu. Okay. So you have Grady Dick, Ernest Uday, Bobby Pettiford, Zuby Edgifer, Joe Yesifu. I have Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, KJ Adams, and Michael Jankovic. Banking on the KU Bigs. That is our Rock Chalk Pickahawk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. we got some KU basketball audio, and uh, after the show tonight, you can hear the KU basketball game uh, pregame. Starts at 7 right here on KLWN. Depend on it.